you're recording on your side. We're recording on our side. We're good to go. I guess so. Well, Mr. Borla, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much for the opportunity. That's Albert Borla, the CEO of the pharmaceutical giant Pfizer. Do you always wear a suit? No, actually, I'm wearing jeans underneath, and uh, my shirt is not even tucked. Pfizer is at the forefront of the fight against COVID. It has produced billions of doses of its COVID vaccine and distributed them around the world. So we wanted to talk to Pfizer's CEO about how the company is approaching COVID as we enter the third year of the pandemic. My goal, it is one when it comes to COVID, to stay ahead of the virus constantly. Because what we have seen is that we are dealing with an enemy, let's say, that can camouflage itself, can change different phases. And we are having wins against it and then suddenly makes a move that finds us not well prepared. So being able to stay ahead of the game is a very, very big part of what I feel our responsibility as Pfizer is. And this is what we plan to do. Do you feel like you've been staying ahead of the game? So far, yes. But the Omicron was the first time that uh, the virus was able to create something that escapes, evades the protection of our vaccine. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Monday, January 10th. Coming up on the show, Pfizer's CEO, Albert Borla, on what fighting COVID will look like in 2022. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As CEO of Pfizer, Albert Bourla led the company with its partner to develop the first vaccine approved in the U.S. And Pfizer has sold billions of doses of the vaccine, generating an estimated $36 billion of sales last year. But now that Omicron is spreading rapidly around the globe, Bourla and Pfizer are facing a challenge. Has Omicron changed how you are living? I'm more concerned now. I was very, I was not reckless, but I knew that the three doses are protecting you very well against the Delta. So I started living back uh, my life after the first dose. I became very concerned with Omicron. I'm now more careful. Yes, it did change. And what have you learned about Omicron? Will people need another booster? I think uh, right now what we've learning it is that the third one clearly have a severe impact, serious impact on hospitalization and deaths and has a protection against disease in general, but it is less than in Delta. That's a very clear uh, symptom. This is why also I started becoming more careful after the Omicron emerged. We don't know really if we will need the fourth dose or if we will need an Omicron-specific vaccine to address it. But what we do, it is that we are testing both of them and they are developing a vaccine just in case. 
Because Omicron is more effective at evading Pfizer's vaccine than previous strains, the company will assess whether an Omicron-specific vaccine is more effective than its existing one. And Albert says it could be ready as soon as March. And this is when we need to make a decision. If we have it and we can produce it, are we shifting to that uh, or we stick with, uh, with the old one? And only the epidemiology of that time will tell us what is the best path forward. The Israeli government came out with a new study that showed that a fourth shot increases antibodies fivefold. Israel's prime minister said today that a new study supports a fourth dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. What are your thoughts on this study? Do you think it means we will need a fourth shot to effectively fight Omicron? It could be. And it could be that some parts of the population will need a fourth shot. And this is something that health authorities should seriously assess. We will present the date. And I don't know if the fourth dose needs to be just the fourth dose of the current vaccine or a fourth dose of uh, the Omicron vaccine also. We will test that. And we will compare, for example, a fourth dose with an Omicron vaccine compared to a fourth dose with the current vaccine. All of that data, we will present them. In thinking about fourth shots for some populations, that feels like... It's giving even more vaccine to the places that already have it and reducing what might be available to less resourced countries. How are you thinking about that? I don't think this will happen now because we have already big enough quantities for uh, to give it to all. The equity, the health equity issue in the beginning was clear that uh, less vaccinations in the poor countries was because they were not receiving fast enough doses. They didn't have enough. Now, most of them, they have enough, so we can test the other issues. And the other issues is that they don't have the infrastructure, unfortunately. And uh, we have uh, many of them, but they are uh, already asked us to delay or pause shipments of doses to them. And very important, I repeat, very important, they have a very high number of uh, hesitancy. If you see around the world, it is very clear that There are very big differences among, uh, in the percentage of the number of people that they hesitate to get the vaccine. And uh, that's something that needs to be addressed. In terms of hesitancy, some of that hesitancy comes from distrust of big pharma companies. What can you and Pfizer do to combat that? Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, comes from um, multiple different reasons and mistrust. Against governments, is even bigger than against farmers. And uh, you will see that uh, places where traditionally there is high mistrust against the government and the authorities, these are the places that uh, you can see a way bigger number of hesitancy. And clearly also with the pharma. But uh, I think that what we need to do, it is to be very transparent with what we are doing. But Albert says that sometimes when Pfizer was transparent, the company's statements were met with criticism. Let me remind you, we said that we will have a vaccine. We will know if we will have a vaccine before October in 2020. We were severely criticized. How can you say that? That's impossible, et cetera, et cetera. We have it November 8th, right? So we were right. We said we are going to produce billions of doses. Uh, They said, how can you say that? This is impossible. We produce 3 billion. We say that the immune response are waning and we need a booster. 
you all remember how big of a drama that became in the U.S. How can you say that you need a booster? And we needed a booster. It's very clear to all. And I can go on and on, right? And the reason why we went in to say something, although it was not likable, because we couldn't just play the political game because that will come back and bite you. We always have to say the truth. And by being right, that is what creates your reliability. What are you doing with the profits you're making off of the vaccines? We are investing in research more and more. We are investing. If you see, all of that is very publicly known, right? Our R&D expenses, since the three years that I took over, for example, were from the seven to almost the $11 billion per year. Per year, right? So we are doing a significant increase in research. But some of this distrust is sort of based in the for-profit system that we live in. And the vaccine has, in fact, dramatically increased your revenue. So what do you say to these people who are distrustful of the vaccine because it's helped Pfizer financially? I would say, can you think of someone that would deserve to make money other than someone who brought so much life saved, hospitalizations empty, economy, trillions of economy going back just because we did. I mean, this is uh, ridiculous, I think. Unless if you are in general against profit, then it's a very different ballgame. But if you think that legitimate profit is perfectly fine, you can find more legitimate reasons to make money than saving the world. Do you think that pharma generally should try to win back the trust of people who are distrustful of Oh, absolutely. Of the profits that pharma makes off of science? I think we need to win back the trust and the reputation of the people. So trust is something that you earn in drops, you lose it in buckets. You only need one wrong move. And I believe that we should continue by what we are doing to earn the trust every day of the people. Pfizer's latest move? Developing a new treatment for the virus the first prescription pill for COVID-19. After the break, what that'll mean for living with the pandemic in 2022. Breaking news, the FDA has now authorized the first pill to treat the COVID virus. The pill made by Pfizer can be taken at home to help reduce hospitalizations and deaths, and it's authorized for high-risk patients who are most likely to get severely ill. Pfizer began distributing its new treatment, this pill called Paxlovid, at the end of last year. The pill allows a person who tests positive for COVID to treat the early symptoms at home. Tell us how you see the role of Paxlovid in the fight against COVID. Oh, I think it is a game changer. The reason it is a game changer, it is that the biggest issue that we are facing with COVID as a public health concern, it is that uh, people are uh, going into the hospital in numbers that the system cannot absorb. You can have a car accident and you can't find a place in the ICU because they are all occupied with people from COVID disease, right? So what this is doing, unlike other treatments that they are used into the hospital, you can take it at the beginning and instead of 10 people going to hospital, only one will go. That's tremendous. So that will change the way that uh, we can deal with this situation. 
So how are you applying the lessons of health equity from the vaccine to the distribution of Paxlovid? We waived our intellectual property rights for all the low-income countries and the lower-middle-income countries, approximately 190-something, I don't remember, 53% of the global population. With that, we gave the intellectual rights to an organization that uh, is basically funded by the United Nations. And uh, they asked for manufacturers to submit licenses to applications so that they can start manufacturing with their license because we gave the license to them. And from what I know, a significant number of companies, they have asked uh, the right to manufacture so they can make it for those countries. And by the way, we did it royalty-free. While Pfizer waived intellectual property rights for its COVID treatment and vaccine, Albert stands by the for-profit business model in which drug companies own patent rights to the treatments they develop. If we didn't have intellectual property system and patent system, no vaccines and no treatments would be available right now. And now we consider it given because we have it and we, we argue who will get it sooner. We need to understand that without the patent, no one would have uh, had it. And Albert says that when Pfizer sells Paxlovid around the world, it also provides different prices to different countries. We are giving it to the high-income countries to one price level. We give it to middle-income countries at prices that they are approximately half. And we will give it to the low-income countries at cost, whatever is the cost. And we are looking also for donors, right? So that, like the U.S. government, for example, or the European government, that we will give it at cost and they will give it completely free. So they will cover the cost of us. Do you think we'll be able to eliminate COVID? In the form that COVID will not exist, no one will be getting sick, as we did with polio. I don't see that happening even in 10 years, to be frank. The virus has been known for creating a lot of variants, so it keeps changing. And we know that natural infection, as well as vaccination, they don't produce durable protection. They produce protection for, for a period of time only. But as far as getting back to normal... Albert says that as long as there are new variants and people aren't fully vaccinated, getting back to normal is hard to predict. If uh, we didn't have Omicron, I thought we would be going to normalize this quarter because we would have enough third doses that people will have very good protection. And uh, Omicron clearly complicates things. That's why uh, we need to, to be able. But I think still we will be able to find the solution to to the Omicron as well. And as long as we maintain a very high level of uh, vaccinations and the others will get uh, diseased, I think we will be... The thing is the compliance. This is what is the concern. Now we have, let's say, 70% of the people that they got the vaccine. If we maintain compliance with whatever is the next dose at the 70%, I think things will pretty soon go back to normal as long as we know that the vaccine protects. But... If we go down because people are tired and then they really forgot to go and do those, this is where the problem is. All right, so I should let you go. But before I do, what are your best case and worst case scenarios for 2022? I think the best case scenarios for 2022 is we don't have another variant, but the fourth dose eventually or an Omicron dose 
will prove uh, quite effective and we will have uh, enough Paxlovid or maybe other treatments available that those that are getting the disease will not end up uh, dying and so that will not have this uh, issue in the hospital. Uh, the worst case scenario clearly is a new variant comes up that it is more virulent, more uh, transmissible and uh, that's a whole new ball game. But I am optimistic that we won't go into a situation that you, like me, like uh, that everyday people will cry for someone that they lost because every family will have one or two. I don't think that we'll ever go back to that knowing how protective, how powerful are the medical tools that we have right now at our disposal. Albert, thank you so much. Thank you. That's all for today, Monday, January 10th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.